articles from G3 Ministries. In recent days, certain voices have been questioning whether or not women should read, study, and teach the Bible. What exactly is God's design for women in this world? Well, that's an important question considering that a great number of people don't even know how to define what a woman is, much less understand God's design for women in the home, the church, and the secular sphere. So first, let's ask a question about women and theology. The great goal of life is the pursuit of God. J.I. Packer, in his excellent book, Knowing God, writes the following, quote, What were we made for? Knowing God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. Then he goes on and he says the following, quote, Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul, end quote. How are we to know who God is? Is it through the study of nature or the expanse of the stars above? Well, obviously not. It's through the study of special revelation in God's holy word. To make it simple, theology is the study of God. To suggest that women are not permitted to study theology would be a grave error. That would mean that they are not permitted to know God. In Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, we find the following words, quote, "'Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet.'" End quote. While he provides his design for women in the life of the church, he restricts her from the roles of authority and teaching men. But what was quite revolutionary was his encouragement for women to be learners. Women are called to learn and to study the doctrine of God. But beyond the study of theology, what about the Great Commission? When Jesus gave his Great Commission to his followers in Matthew 28, he would be including in his commission the need for both men and women to be active in this call to make disciples of all nations. In a real sense, women are on the front lines with their own children in their living rooms on a daily basis, teaching the gospel and making disciples of their own children. This is a woefully underrated calling for women in our age, yet it's vitally important. Mothers who are committed to home education will be seeking to teach their children through a biblical worldview rather than a secular worldview. That process involves both evangelism and discipleship by teaching children the scriptures faithfully. And beyond their own homes, women are to be sharing the gospel of God in the local community as God opens up opportunities to share the hope of Christ with unbelievers. This is God's plan for godly women. Beyond evangelism in the Great Commission, let's consider the role of women in the church. God's Word is indeed sufficient, and we know that God has spoken clearly on the subject of women's roles and responsibilities within the sphere of the church. From the garden, we see male headship and leadership established by God before the fall. Therefore, when Paul addresses Timothy in the New Testament regarding the local church, he cites the creation account from Genesis. You see, boundaries are viewed through a negative lens due to the nature of human depravity. We are constantly asking how far is too far and laboring to see 
how close we can walk to the edge of the cliff without actually falling. This is a most dangerous approach to life in general and certainly within the world of theology. When you play with fire, you will eventually get burned. The natural man has a problem with authority, and often he seeks to avoid it or to usurp authority that he doesn't possess. Historically, the liberals have embraced women's liberation theology as a means of elevating women to their rightful position among men in the church. Such theology does much damage to God's design for the home and the church. John MacArthur explains by stating the following, quote, Women may be highly gifted teachers and leaders, but those gifts are not to be exercised over men in the context of the church. That is true not because women are spiritually inferior to men, but because God's law commands it. He has ordained order in his creation, an order that reflects his own nature and therefore should be reflected in his church. Anyone ignoring or rejecting God's order then weakens the church and dishonors him, end quote. In 1 Timothy 2.12, Paul articulates a clear prohibition related to women in the local church. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. There is a distinction between the teaching and exercise of authority that should be acknowledged. Paul then revisited the historic boundaries in the area of teaching that God had already put into place back in the garden. Women, as Paul stated, were not to teach men. This is a reversal of roles. The word teach, didasko, in the Greek, according to Tom Schreiner, has in mind the public teaching and involves authoritative transmission of tradition about Christ and the Scriptures. While women are permitted to discuss biblical theology in a mixed group setting, such as a Sunday school class, women's teaching children or other women in the life of the church, or in a private setting, such as with Apollos' instruction that was gleaned from the meeting with Priscilla and Aquila, biblical teaching, when among the church as a whole or a mixed audience, should be led by men. It seems clear that Paul was addressing an issue that was taking place in the life of the church and needed to be corrected, and that same thing can be stated for us in our present hour. When it comes to teaching men in our present day, we have the conference culture that often stretches the boundaries. This is a dangerous practice since conferences are designed to strengthen the church and to in many ways model what the local church should be promoting in their local assemblies, such as expository preaching, sound biblical theology, and other important if not essential practices. Therefore, to have women stand and to open a Bible and teach a group of men in a conference setting is not beneficial to the church represented in that conference. Such stretching of the boundaries is a common practice in our day, and we should be cautious when we see women teachers invited to speak to a mixed audience. Paul also points out that women should not have authority over men. This is most likely a reference to the office of elder in the local church. The office of elder is a teaching office and is connected with the oversight, responsibility, and authority. But the idea of teaching and authority can be distinct among themselves. For one can teach the Bible with authority without being an elder in the local church. But he cannot be an elder without authority, nor can he preach 
without authority. While there are overlapping connections, there are distinct qualities that must be acknowledged as well. When referencing authority, Paul uses the word authenteo in the Greek as he addresses the boundary for women in the church. When Paul makes his statement, he goes on to explain by writing, quote, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. This is 1 Timothy 2, 13 and 14. Now, this is not a curse on women because of the fall, but rather a design from the beginning instituted by God. This was God's good design and pointed to the role distinction between men and women. To reverse the roles is dangerously irresponsible. This in no way means that Paul was a male chauvinist who degraded the value of women in the church. Tom Schreiner is right as he states, quote, It is a modern democratic Western notion that diverse functions suggest distinctions in worth both between men and women. Paul believed that men and women were equal in personhood, dignity, and value, but also taught that women had distinct roles from men, end quote. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul addresses Timothy by stating that women are to remain quiet. This word denotes an idea of submissiveness, especially in relation to male headship in the home and the local church structure. In other words, women are not to be in authority in the church, but they are permitted to learn and to speak. The speech of women is not to be proclaimed in an official sense from the pulpit or from the office of an elder, but they are permitted to speak, teach, and make disciples and be involved in the life of the local church. This is clearly seen in Jesus' own treatment of women in his day, as well as Paul's high esteem for women, such as Phoebe and the many others listed in Romans 16. We must avoid legalism at this juncture, but we must not go to the route of liberalism or antinomianism. The progressive attitude seeks freedom from authority, but God has never designed authority to be a burden to His people. William Varner, in his excellent book, To Preach or Not to Preach, writes the following, quote, The issue involved in 1 Timothy 2 is not an inherent inferiority of women's intellectual and spiritual capabilities, but her function in ministry. She is not subordinate in her capability but she is to be subordinate in her role. Let it also be noted clearly that Paul does not ground his reasoning in the male-dominated culture of his day. He does not write, women should not teach because men will not accept them as teachers. He grounds his teaching in the order of creation and fall. The mores of culture change with time, while the order of creation is supracultural and is valid whatever the time and place, end quote. To capitulate on any area of headship in the family or leadership in the church is a grave mistake. The smallest sin can lead to the greatest catastrophe, just as a small spark can set an entire forest on fire. Whatever God expects from us has clearly been stated in the Scriptures. Rather than working diligently to find loopholes, it would be for our joy and our good to submit. Beware of those voices who are constantly looking for ways around God's commands.